0: This is Adela can put this into whatever section she wants, but I just remembered that the chapter art from Mad Eye Moody really is something indeed.
1: Oh yes, please send that. We haven't done chapter art in so, so long. So
0: I'm gonna do that now. If this makes it into the episode, we will be putting this into the tweet.
1: Wow, they really they really uh did well yeah. in the movie. Uh that's what it looks like. Yeah. Because that is not, not quite how I pictured him. And when the movie came out, I was like, that's not what he looks like in my mind. But um, he does look like that.
0: Let me just see if I can grab a quick still
1: uh,
0: for ease benefit from the movie. Because I think that it's... Certainly there's a lot going on with this character. Just doing a
2: quick Google...
0: I gotcha. It's in there. I just posted. Aha. Uh-huh. We need
2: to start the podcast before doing yeah. this, but... <laughs> <laughs> They did just go it's, with a fake eye.
0: They went with, well,
2: it, I mean, it is. I assumed it was
0: in his eye socket. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Okay. Um, Adela, go for it.
1: Hello, and welcome to PotterNot, a podcast for new and returning readers with conflicted Harry Potter feelings. I am Adela. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a tired fan.
0: I'm Zoe. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a jaded fan. I am E. My pronouns
2: are she, they, and I am a reluctant fan.
1: And this week we will be diving into the good and the bad of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire chapters 13 and 14. Mad-Eye Moody and the Unforgivable Curses. Maybe I'll just leave it as a cold open of us just talking about (laughs) the chapter part. We got too into it. We invited the bears and Zoe was like, now I need to show you the chapter immediately. (laughs) Well, I opened the book and... (laughs) That's fair.
0: (laughs) He's eyeballing me. He's he's really looking through my soul.
1: Which, you know, Um, who knows, maybe with that eye you could do that.
2: He reminds me of the Disney uh, portrayal of The Hunchback
1: of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. It's like a cross between that and the the witch from Snow White. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Thank you for ruining both of those movies for me now.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's just moody in both of them now.
2: It's just the illustration. It's just the illustration. The actor doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, no.
0: Let me be clear. Hunchback of Notre Dame was ruined the moment I saw it. In a good way, I still love this that film. But boy, that song about lusting after—it's just there's <laughs> yeah. a lot going on in that it's movie. A wild movie. Mm-hmm. It's a wild choice for a children's movie. Um, as this is a wild choice for a children's book. Look uh-huh. at
1: that segue. <laughs> Amazing. Nailed it. Thanks. Um,
0: e. <laughs> Overall thoughts. <laughs> So we did read two fairly short chapters.
1: With a lot of content.
2: Uh, this this is back to the format of like short vignettes. Like very small scenes going from class to class and mm-hmm. different things. I really like the class stories. Like, Me too. I, yeah. I'm glad that's back. I don't know if it will become relevant that they had a herbology class on
0: <laughs> pimple popping.
1: But it was very cute. I don't think it becomes relevant.
0: <laughs> it does. Undiluted bubotober Puss oh, yeah, is true. very
1: relevant in this oh, yeah, book. True. You're right. Never mind. Does somebody get acne? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that's
0: also poor Eloise Midgen comes is back.
1: That, no, is that in this book? Or is,
0: oh? It's in this book.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, I got it. I remember it now. It
2: wasn't just one name made up <laughs> for one sentence
1: about
2: no. how bad this one person's acne
0: was. I joked that last chapter was the foreshadowing for everything that happened in this book. This chapter is also foreshadowing for everything that happens in this book. Oh yeah, but smaller things. mm
2: -hmm. I can, I can see. I mean, we get another Rita Skeeter article.
0: Yeah, this is very much the um, Chekhov's gun of small plot devices. Uh huh. Like everything that's mentioned here comes back in some fashion in this book, importantly, which is good probably i like that it i like that all of it comes around yeah
1: yeah it's sim- similar to what we talked about in book 3 where you get the conclusion of everything by the end of this book basically
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hopefully it's more successfully done in this one than in book 2 where it was just like look at the spiders and <laughs>
0: like huh the only things that don't get resolved in a single book from now on or like one thing from book five, but pretty much from now on, things that are introduced get resolved within the book that they're introduced. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Plotting. I think we see, this is where we see Hagrid for the first time. In this book, yeah, which is nice. We get a, a shot of his class.
1: <laughs> what a lovely class um, it is. <laughs> it's,
0: he's doing his best. So when I was describing the cover of this book, uh, I said there was something that looked like a giant ant or dragon head. And Adela went, oh, it's a blast-ended
1: scroot. And I went,
0: oh, yeah, I've never noticed that before. And he
1: went, can't wait to find out what that is.
0: <laughs> we found out. They're babies right now. Babies. Let's just very quickly do a plot summary of these chapters. Okay. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of little things that we talk about, and then we'll jump into Neville Protection Squad. Uh-huh. We will join forms and become the Voltron of Neville protection. (laughs) So there's a lot of little bits and pieces of different classes, herbology, care of magical creatures. Divination. Oh God, divination. And then, um, and Hermione keeps going, keeps running to the library.
1: Very short description of uh, potions. And then we get into defense against dark arts.
0: There's a scuffle
2: between Harry and Draco. Yep
1: which results
0: in both a Rita Skeeter article being read and also Malfoy being turned into a ferret. This is a conversation we are going to have because I have thoughts. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then you get into Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is a terrifying class that we will deeply discuss, followed by just sort of return to form um, for the last few pages of the chapter, doing divination homework. And then... um, A little hint at something going on with Fred and George. And then Hermione shows up and has started the Society for the Protection of Elvish Welfare. We will come back around to that one. She has a plan. And also Sirius is coming back north. So in the chapter, The Unforgivable Curses, which is not a long chapter, shit goes down very quickly. Yes. While still being sort of this like early school it's still a, yeah and it's thing. still
1: just a lot of hints of things going to happen
0: yeah it's well paced it's it n- is nice, snappy pacing and as much as i have some difficulty with we'll get to it but sort of ron especially ron but the class in general's reaction to mad eye moody and mm-hmm. the ferret and a few other things everything that's written is convincibly done Teenagery. yes yes right like
1: I think it, it's all in. It's all in character. It all feels yeah. authentic yeah. to the character and to Thank the world. You for
0: real words, <laughs> yeah. And you get different <laughs> types
2: of teenage reactions mm-hmm. to things. Absolutely, which is cool.
0: This is something that I notice. I think that in book three, and you see it a lot more in the movie. Alfonso Quaron pulls so much from book three, really nicely into the movie of like teenagers becoming teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I think in this book through book six. The teenagers being teenagers is done really consistently.
1: We talked in either the last book or the one before about how J.K.R. does not write children well, but I think that Mm-mm. she does write teenagers well.
2: hmm Yeah, I, it's definitely I improving.
0: So, E, uh-huh. anything that you want to start with before we um,
2: talk about things? It's hard to have an overall sort of vibe because there's so many different things here. Mm -hmm. I guess the one thing is that I was surprised that um, Moody is being set up as a
1: good teacher Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: rather than as a bad teacher. I was expecting...
1: Given the way that he was introduced?
2: Yeah, given the sort of physical descriptions around him and the ministry thing i was expecting him to be more of like a well not a quarrel figure cuz quarrel barely existed before the end of that book but there's direct comparisons between moody and lupin like at mm-hmm, multiple mm-hmm. points
1: and that he actually knows how to teach even if the content that he's teaching is questionable
2: he cares about the like the welfare of his students mm-hmm. and yeah so it's it's interesting anyway yeah was surprised about how positive The framing of
1: Moody is. It is interesting. Yeah, it's It's very interesting. The other thing
0: about that is that it's framed as good teaching, not just by the narration in the book, but also by the students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the students like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Which is... Aside from the ones who have trauma.
1: But even they, like, because of the way that Moody, like, responds to them afterwards, like Harry and Neville... They still both like him and the class. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it'll be very interesting to continue having this conversation throughout this book. Uh sure will,
0: and especially at the end of this book for a variety of reasons. Uh huh. I actually really enjoyed the description of the herbology class. Yeah, I, wanted to go I back enjoy to that. <laughs> visiting Professor Sprout. Um, it's gross, but the way that it's described is. Exactly what I would expect, which is that the squeezing the bubble tubers was disgusting. But wait, satisfy. you say
1: bubo tubers? Would you say boobo
0: tubers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's too close to boob. Maybe I have never bubble said tuber. the word out, so out loud, but
1: boobo tuber is how I say it in my head. So
0: bubo tuber, the use match, yeah. Bubo tuber, they don't. Yeah. I would have always said bubo tuber, but um I, I would be more likely to say bubble tuber if there were two bees. Yeah, same ah interesting that makes a lot of sense never thought about it before was not said in the movies don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced bubble Bubble makes a little bit more sense with her like as a
2: combination of bubble yeah
1: another note from this class is poor eloise midgen who is only ever referred to because of her (laughs) acne She is referred to several times throughout the series but it's always she you never see her on page but she's always referred to because she has bad acne apparently which is just Very unfortunate. Poor Eloise.
2: I hope someone out there has written a a deep uh, (laughs) fanfic about the life and times of Eloise. Yes.
0: Um, Yes, it's called Eloise. She's a small girl who lives in a New York City apartment building and she goes on (laughs) adventures in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. God, I hope that Eloise from the Eloise book is secretly Eloise (laughs) Imogen, who turns out to be like an... An expat who moves to the UK and oh, is cute. a witcher wizard. Amazing. That is my new headcanon. Shout out to Eloise. <laughs> anyway, Eloise Midgen tried to curse off her acne and ended up
1: removing her, her nose. nose. Yeah.
0: Whoops. So honestly a mood. Yeah. Uh, they should try hormonal birth control. It often helps. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> what? Muggle medicine? <laughs> In the witching world?
0: <laughs> okay, but hang hey, on a minute. Well, I guess that this is the answer I was about to say. Didn't we just find out that they could do anything to help with muggle maladies Yeah, hey, you'd think it? they would be able to cure acne.
1: Well, I like... mean, they can with this potion that they're <laughs> they're making out of boobotuber Plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Alright, blast-ended scroots. Blast-ended
1: um, scroots are a thing.
2: They're adorable. I can't wait, wait to find out. What?
0: what? <laughs> Excuse me.
2: I said what I said.
0: I don't disagree because of things that happen later. <clears throat> oh, with the teddy bears. Oh, so good. There's some great blast-ended screw moments throughout this book. I yeah, encourage I you wait. to dive in. It's great. I there's a moment later on where Harry and Ron and Hermione realize that Hagrid absolutely got these, like, illegally mm-hmm. crossbred eggs mm-hmm. and decided to yeah. raise them.
1: Yeah, Last End are not, like, a regular, like, normally occurring creature. They were, like, illegally bred and he just happened right. to acquire them somehow. He was like, time to raise these. This is a note for, like, in general, but there is literally no regulation of how, of, like, syllabus that that teachers write god no how teachers of that, course how teachers not decide the content <laughs> of their classes dumbledore's like just have fun do whatever you want i yeah. know oh
2: imagine teaching with no oversight i am with malfoy on this one yeah he's correct
1: this is like the, up until now i think it's it's true that malfoy's criticisms of this class are pretty much accurate. They're all good criticisms. He just says them. He, they, he just comes across really rude when he says them. He's just mean about it. I can certainly see why we're trying to keep them alive, said Malfoy sarcastically. Who wouldn't want pets that can burn, sting, and bite all at once?
0: Yeah, earlier he also says why would we want
1: to raise them? I mean, what do
0: they do? What is the point
1: of them? And Hagrid's like, oh, that's next lesson. And then we never learn. Yeah. We never <laughs> learn throughout the whole book <laughs> what the point Although, of it is.
0: shout out Shout out to Hagrid. That is a tactic that I use myself when somebody asks me a question. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, same. We'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Yep. We'll worry about it next
1: time. We're not focused on that right now.
0: Oh, it's great. Um, The males have stingers and the females have a sucker thing on their bellies, which might be to suck blood. Who does? So that's fun.
1: Hagrid doesn't know anything about these creatures that he's trying to teach about.
0: (laughs) I'm very curious about
2: the natural, like, habitat of these creatures. What well, the natural they were,
0: habitat of these creatures is a
1: lab. <laughs> like they were, they were, they were a recent, like creation. This is the
0: first of their yeah. kind. That actually might be true.
1: I feel like that is true. Someone like tried to do tried to create a cool creature and was like, "Oops, I messed up." Does anyone want these? And Hagrid's like, "Yes." And Hagrid was like, yeah, "I want them. They're cute." Oh,
0: <laughs> all right. We are sort of going <laughs> bit by bit through these chapters, but I think it deserves yes. it. Divination? Um, Divination there's just a of... moment. There's just a moment. There's just one moment that I have to, there's two moments <laughs> that I have to point. Um, which is Harry mostly falling asleep in class. Um, and then it Happen, Happens often because in that class. It happens so often. Okay. Um, because Professor Trelawney is talking about him to the entire class about how clear, clearly Harry is born under Saturn. Which means that he was, I just love this expression. Yeah. I was saying that Saturn was surely in a position of power in the heavens at the moment of your birth. Your dark hair, your mean stature, your tragic losses so young in life. I think I am right in saying, my dear, that you were born in midwinter. No, said Harry. I was born in July.
1: (laughs) And everyone laughs. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Followed by this moment at the last bit, which is Ron making a Uranus joke. I love that the Uranus joke will forever exist in all schools everywhere when we learn about planets. so funny. So thank you, Ron, for being the 14-year-old boy that you are. Uh, (laughs) But most unfortunately, Professor Trelawney heard him. And it was this, perhaps, that made her give so much homework at the end of class. I
1: love the idea that Trelawney is, like, a lot more like McGonagall when she's upset.
0: (laughs) Uh She says the homework, and then it says she snapped, sounding so much more like Professor McGonagall than her usual airy-fairy self. I want it ready to hand in next Monday and no excuses.
1: There's a lot of thick and headcanon about McGonagall and uh Trelawney being a couple and I feel like that moment of seeing her acting more like McGonagall is just a good it's a good example of that of where that could come from. There's a lot of
0: interesting across the series I would say there's a lot of really interesting McGonagall Trelawney moments moments yeah. Interesting note from this scene apparently Harry is noticeably short. Yeah he's short and skinny because uh, uh, I knew mal- that he was nourished. skinny, I did not know
2: that he was also noticeably short, which Trelawney comments on, and then Ron also comments on.
0: So that's he's, he's a wee boy. Um, I enjoy that in the fic, he is I in like head in fic, fan fiction, not in the head canon, but in fan fiction, he is either he grows up to either be like the tallest, burliest, muscular man because he uh-huh. goes and plays professional quidditch and has like a happy life. Or he stays like kind of on the shorter, scrawnier side, and is like five foot seven. And every time Draco has to kiss him, Harry has to lean up, um, which is always like a mention. Anyway, That's I pretty. just enjoy that. Uh, there is no in between. He's not like an average of like five nine and like a normal human. He's either like a little on the short side or like the burliest man I've <laughs> ever met. Anyway, yes, uh, to address your note, E. Professor Vector does teach arithmancy, which is magical math. Yeah,
1: great. Isn't arithmancy like also, a form of divination, though.
2: Yeah, arithmetic as like a real, as it exists in the real world, is like using num- the like mystical properties mm-hmm. of numbers. It's Western Kabbalah. Kabbalah being the historically Jewish,
0: yes, historically Jewish uh, divination of mystical properties of letters as numbers. Um, yeah, and a lot of other things uh, from the town of Svat in northern Israel. There is actually a really interesting aspect of arithmancy. So I was thinking about, wow, my brain is in so many places today, you guys. When I was in college, I did a senior seminar in my history major on science and learning in early modern Europe. And this is my headcanon about what arithmancy is in the Harry Potter books. In that class, one of the things that we learned, and in the end, what I wrote my massive term paper on, was the connection between mathematics and music and how uh-huh. mathematics and music were taught together because at their core, they are the same thing. Um, And so I ended up doing this massive paper on like the mathematics of music and musical theory from the ancient Greeks through Kepler and his music of the heavens and then all the way up to Bach and the well-tempered clavier. That's extremely cool. In my head, rather than being more of a divination style class of like the mysticism and properties of numbers, in my head, arithmancy is kind of like the mathematics of magic. And so it's yeah. like magical theory done by math. I love that. And yeah. that's why I think that Hermione would go from divination to arithmancy, mm-hmm. because clearly JKR did not look up what arithmancy was because otherwise <laughs> Hermione would not have done arithmancy.
1: I always wondered that. I was like, <laughs> Hermione hates divination. Why does she love arithmancy so much?
0: JKR just saw the word arithmancy and was like, cool, yeah. math magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my headcanon for what arithmancy is. Nice. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense. And it also works with ancient runes, which is this other class that Hermione loves, which is clearly like ancient Greek, but for, ma- for magic. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Who wants to talk about Rita Skeeter? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Do we, we, we just should just this? get ease further reactions to this character that we have not.
2: That we have not seen. So there is an either accidental or deliberate, I'm going to say deliberate Miss, like, she gets Arthur Weasley's name wrong Mm -hmm. consistently, which makes me think it's deliberate. She's really harping on the actions of the ministry um, with a focus on Mr. Weasley here, sort of describing uh, antics and a tussle, an undignified and embarrassing scene.
0: Yeah, this is what um, Mr. Diggory, when he poked his head through the fire, this is what he was describing. And yes. he was trying to prevent it from getting to the press. Yes. Uh, obviously unsuccessful.
1: Yeah. Rita Skeeter has her ways.
2: <laughs> so it's, it's being set up like this one reporter in particular has a grudge against the ministry. Mm-hmm. Rather than like the journalist, like the, the
1: newspaper. Journalistic world. Yeah. The, yeah. And to be clear, the ministry is not good. And there are probably oh, yeah. things that she could be focusing on with the ministry that would be a lot more important to focus on. But she chooses more to useful focus, to criticize. She chooses to yeah. criticize yeah. things that are actually not a big problem.
2: Is there more than one news outlet in the wizarding world in England?
0: That's a complicated question.
1: The Daily Pro- Prophet is like their main new york their times. main yeah their main thing but they have there is radio
0: yeah there's the wizarding wireless network yeah. wwn and there are yeah there's specialty magazines yeah um so there's like Potioners weekly and things weekly. like that okay mm-hmm.
2: i guess my question is more is the daily profit the new york times or is it the associated press
0: it's the new york times yeah. but it's treated as the associated press gotcha and for those people who are wondering what the difference is, this is actually the, something that came up in a different server that I was in who was asking, what is a newswire? A newswire is somebody who reports facts only, no bias, and then sells that information to newspapers who can then use that information to either do deeper dives or republish that information. Yeah. Mm. So the Associated Press basically like provides the facts a
2: lot of uh, American newspapers.
0: Yeah, and there's worldwide newswires as well. Um, yeah. AP is is the most common one that you see, but there's a few of them. It is not the AP, but it is treated as the AP, mm-hmm. which is so, why it's yeah. Rita Skeeter is so dangerous. Yes. Um but like, it is the New York Times and it should be there is no tabloid. There should be other newspapers. Yeah. yeah there is no tabloid in the Wizarding World to the same extent that we have here. Which weekly is like vogue yeah. Um, yeah but there's no tabloid but rita skeeter you can tell here she's a tabloid writer
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so
2: it's interesting that jkr didn't put tabloids into i know this world because tabloids exist tabloids are like a as far as i'm aware of bigger in the uk than they are in the us
0: oh yeah I think partly she did that because she wanted the information that would normally come out in a tabloid to be treated as real Mm -hmm. as though it was in a regular newspaper. Yeah. Because it impacts the plot so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But Malfoy is reading this out loud to a large group of students. For whatever reason,
2: Rita got and published a photo of the Weasleys at their home.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know how that's relevant, but... Well, um, I think it's there so that Malfoy can call Mrs. Weasley fat well yes (laughs) i mean
1: aside from plot why is it relevant i don't know why
0: i don't know why the character
2: of rita skeeter in this world would take the time to take that
0: particular picture and put it in the it's because rita skeeter wants to call mrs weasley fat or wants people
1: to judge their wants
0: people to judge them yeah yeah um because she's a tabloid writer (laughs) right
1: harry and malfoy are getting really nasty with the insults in this book yeah. yeah. Like Malfoy has always been nasty, but Harry shoots him right back.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like Malfoy is going for the throat yeah. here. Yeah. Like it's hard to
2: compare them because Harry is using a snappy comeback to defend
0: his friend's mm-hmm. parents and also like shuts down the conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> He is he is saying a thing that is actually insulting Malfoy, not insulting Malfoy's mom, <laughs> even though Malfoy yeah. takes it yeah. as insulting yeah. his mom. But.
0: So Malfoy is making fun of the Weasleys' house. He says a picture of your parents outside the house, if you can call it a house. And then says your mother could do with losing a bit of weight. And then when Harry is trying to shut it down, it says get stuffed, Malfoy. Malfoy follows up with, oh, yeah, you were staying with them this summer, weren't you, Potter? So tell me, is his mother really that porky or is it just the picture? And at this point, Harry and Hermione have to grab the back of Ron's robes to keep him from hurling himself at Malfoy. But Harry's comeback here that we're talking about says, you know, your mother Malfoy, that expression she's got, like she's got dung under her nose. Has she always looked like that or was it because you were with her? That's actually like a deal. This is a good comeback. It's a shot at Malfoy and i mean this is a very teenager thing and malfoy says don't you dare insult my mother but harry shuts it down again like he tries yeah. twice to just diffuse the situation get stuffed malfoy earlier and then keep your bit mouth fat mouth shut then which like is a very 14 year old way of shutting down a
1: conversation but mm-hmm. yeah he tries to he tries to walk away from the conversation he doesn't want to he doesn't want to fight
2: right he's trying to just shut malfoy down and leave mm-hmm. and then a curse goes right past his ear <laughs> Do we know what
0: Malfoy cast? No, no. Okay, probably something dumb like a tickling curse. <laughs> something that would like—I
2: was waffling between that and something legitimately dangerous that he should not know.
0: It could be. I don't think he would risk it in the Great Hall. Fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Malfoy is immediately accosted by. Okay, we're gonna have. We're we're going. We're gonna have this conversation <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> Professor Moody shows up and turns Malfoy into a ferret. Mm-hmm. Now this is also shown in the movie. It's a little different, but it is shown in the movie.
2: So he immediately shows up.
0: Does I think he does the transfiguration first and then asks questions. Yep. Yeah, he says, oh, no, you don't, Laddie. Um, his wand was out and is pointing right at a pure white ferret, which was shivering on the stone flagged floor exactly where Malfoy had been standing. Which
2: I can sort of see the transfiguration by itself yep. as an effective, way of like breaking up a fight Mm
1: -hmm. that's my note is that like turning malfoy into a ferret is a funny thing to do and it lines up with just being in a weird quirky magic school like i feel like it's not the worst thing in the world for a teacher (laughs) to turn a student into an animal if they're able to easily turn them back especially Um, a
2: student like draco who is aggressive because of his Sense of like importance, self importance, yeah, pride and self worth,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and like taking him down a peg in a harmless. I mean, at first harmless. I think
0: this is traumatizing. I think this is horrible. No, ju- I'm saying just the just
2: transfiguration. the
0: transfiguration. If it
1: if it was just the transfiguration,
0: no, I'm talking about the transfiguration.
1: I understand. I also understand what you're saying, Zoe. But I'm thinking of like just general stories of witches. And wizards and turning things into animals, turning people into frogs and toads and things. It just feels like a thing that makes sense.
0: <laughs> I guess, but I think so. So Moody then bounces the ferret. Yeah, all over. which is
1: that's the worst. Clearly,
0: much yeah. too far. Yeah, uh, he pointed his wand at the ferret. It flew ten feet into the air, fell with a smack to the floor, and then bounced upward once more. That um, is that would be punishment. that would be lethal. That would be lethal yeah. to a ferret. I don't like people who attack when their opponent's back is turned, growled Moody as the ferret bounced higher and higher, squealing in pain. Never do that again, said Moody, speaking each word as the ferret hit the stone floor and bounced upward again. Um, And then Professor McGonagall shows up. Hello, Professor McGonagall, said Moody, calmly bouncing the ferret still higher. I think even without all of that literal torture, I think just turning a student to a ferret is crossing. Yeah, definitely.
1: Which is what McGonagall says. I'm just what I my point was that. This scene would still be a funny scene if it didn't have the... Slimming it around. Like, To be clear, I don't think that it was a good choice of Moody to turn him into a ferret. I just think that it was supposed to be a funny scene and it would have been a funny scene if it didn't have that part of it.
2: I think it would have been funny if it was in like book one or two.
1: Mm, Yeah, when things were more cartoonish in general. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Because it's
2: obviously intended to be a very whimsical... Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And in the movie, I will say, the movie moment of this, I think, my thoughts about turning into a ferret aside, the movie version of this is way better, which is basically that like... It doesn't
1: like hit the floor, it's just bouncing around in the air, which is uh, better.
0: No, no, no. He also puts the ferret down Crab's pants. Oh, which is very silly. Yeah. Which is very silly. And it's treated for the humor that it is supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny. It's still horrible and traumatizing. And my fanfiction thoughts about Malfoy aside, <laughs> I think this is, I don't know. I just, mm, there's this, yeah. I just, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I hate it. I hate, I hate this. I hate, but also I love it when it comes up in fanfiction.
2: <laughs> it is very satisfying for Draco yeah. to experience the consequences of his words and deeds.
0: Yes, but also, uh, your note is Moody giving Draco the first meaningful consequence for his actions he's possibly ever experienced. Yes,
2: yeah, that's what I wrote, and I stand by it. I don't think Draco has ever been disciplined in his life.
1: Not that you should discipline and punish children in this way, but he has never he has never had consequences for his actions. So,
0: yeah. not by transfiguring them and then slamming them around. Yeah, but like. A full body bind would have been great. Um, the best uh, reference to this moment that I've seen in fan—there's fanfic- a lot of great references to this moment in fan fiction, um, including there's a fic that I read where Harry actually owns a ferret, and then of uh-huh. course it's a Harry Draco fic, and so Draco like, "Is this a fucking joke?" And Harry was like, "No, I just literally like ferrets," which is great. <laughs> um, but there's another one where this is—I'm going to avoid the spoilers, but the point is that there's a situation where they have to get people out of the country. And Blaze Zabini, who is, like, a name that you know and is a friend of Draco's, um, Mm -hmm. is accused of escaping. And in order to protect the fact that Blaze is, like, at some friend's house hiding out, uh, Draco says, oh, yes, he's an unregistered animagus and he can turn into a ferret. And Harry has to be like, was that a reference to what (laughs) I think it was? And Draco has to be like, yeah, I couldn't think of anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So it's great in fan fiction. It's it's a very well-referenced
1: moment.
2: Also, I love McGonagall's reaction mm-hmm. yes. in this scene.
1: She's just like, "Is that a student?" Yeah. I also um, love it
2: in the in movie. In the movie,
0: yes. it is, it is, it is word for word mm-hmm. in the movie. So excellent,
2: as it should be for this. Yes, it's very good.
0: The next two days passed without great incident, unless you counted Neville melting his sixth cauldron in potions. Neville. Professor Snape, who seemed to have gained new levels of vindictiveness over the summer, gave Neville detention, and Neville returned from it in a state of nervous collapse, having been made to disembowel a barrel full of horned toads. What kind of a detention is that? Especially because Neville likes toads. I know. My note reads, Neville Protection Squad Commence. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I'm surprised that there wasn't a full scene with Snape. Yeah, we
1: haven't had one yet.
2: Yeah. Usually we see a potions class. hmm
1: I think it's because this is the focus is moody and defense against the dark arts for these two chapters. So
0: don't I worry, just, you'll see potions. No, yeah, I'm sure. It's just interesting
2: that we've gotten like this far in without a an actual a Snape scene. tussle between Snape and a child like on screen.
0: Yeah, I think the reason is there's a scene later where Harry has to leave um potions for for a reason. Um, and Snape lords it over him for the rest of time. Mm. So there's, there's more to come. Yeah. But, uh, we are now in the chapter, the unforgivable curses, and we go from comedy to not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's time for defense against the dark arts class. Mm -hmm. First of all, ease note... Lupin sent him notes. Smiley face. <laughs> he did.
1: Lupin, the actual, the, o- the only so far competent teacher that they have had.
0: Who is theoretically on the run and has no
1: job or address yeah. because he is But an still had the energy and time to send the new teacher class notes. Because he wants his students to do well. He refers
2: to him, first of all, as Professor Lupin, which is very yeah. nice. Yeah and says that he sent him notes rather than leaving him notes mm-hmm. so like at some point in the summer Lupin was like ah oh, fuck there's going to be a new teacher and they don't know what I taught them <laughs>
0: and I had to write this yeah. up Adela mm-hmm. as E was saying that the thing that I put in book wrap up which E is not allowed to look at is <laughs> intensifying
1: yep
0: um because oh, it's no. something that i had never thought about before so julia if you're listening know that that brainworm you put I have, in my head is i think
1: is about there. it all the time but anyway
2: <laughs>
0: i never even thought about it
2: oh are we going to
0: have to get all the way to the end of this
2: book yes. before i can learn about this brainworm god yep sorry
0: um anyway e <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about your note about the descriptions yeah there are
2: um quite a few descriptions of moody's face throughout this chapter so he has i mean he has one functioning eye and one eye which has been replaced by a magical uh apparently x-ray eye Mm uh and then also has physical scarring on his Mm -hmm. face uh and is continually described as twisted and scarred Mm -hmm. and like ugly
0: yeah, I think the word that jumped out to me on this reread was twisted. Mm-hmm. And how many times the she word uses twisted, twisted is used. Multiple times.
2: Uh, which is not great. There's one point where I think either Neville or Ron asks a question and Moody smiles. Ron, yeah. And it's presented as this like, Oh, I didn't know a man as ugly as that could smile.
1: Yeah. Kind of like thing is like Well, I think Harry was more like, I don't I didn't realize someone is like kind of foreboding as that as serious and like
2: although, yeah. but it's all yeah. it's all wrapped up in the physical appearance.
0: If he was just like a normal forty or fifty True. year old dude
1: you wouldn't who happens to have trials. Yeah.
0: He's not forty or fifty. He's seventy.
1: Yeah. he's okay.
0: still like um, a normal like
2: and I say normal as in
1: conventionally uh conventionally
2: attractive uh without physical disabilities. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the moment that you're talking about, it says uh, Moody smiled the first time Harry had seen him do so. The effect was to make his heavily scarred face look more twisted and contorted than ever. But it was nevertheless good to know that he ever did anything as friendly as smile. It's such a backhanded compliment.
2: Like, oh, yeah, I don't I hate it. I'm sure it will continue. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just, just don't do this. Just don't, just don't treat disabled people this way, or Mm. people whose faces aren't conventionally attractive.
1: This sucks. Yep. But he's a good teacher. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good, good, he is good at teaching, he is not necessarily good at making choices for what type of content to put in his lessons.
2: Yes. Although it seems like it was also partially Dumbledore's choice. So that's my question. Yeah, I think that it's, there's literally a line. Yeah,
0: there's. Hold on. Yeah. Professor Dumbledore has got a higher opinion of your nerves. He reckons. Yeah, cope. he's like,
2: well, I thought that it would be dumb to teach you counter curses without knowing what the curses are. So I, I asked Dumbledore and he was like, sure, go for it.
1: I think that I think that it would make sense to teach this lesson in sixth and seventh year. I do not think that it makes sense to teach it in fourth year
0: also think that he's teaching the same lesson across all yeah i agree so
1: is he teaching he's teaching this doing the same lesson with 11 year olds like colin's little brother dennis is doing this lesson also (sighs) i
0: think so and i don't think that dumbledore knows that i think that dumbledore knows that he's teaching unforgivable curses to higher level students i don't think that he knows that 14 year olds are learning this and younger
2: i assume there are other curses yeah you can learn counter to.
1: there are not counter curses for these curses to be clear right like
2: which makes the whole lesson kind of a moot point
1: the his point is that you should know what's out there
2: which is a valuable
0: lesson yes
1: but it could be taught through theory not through showing it actually happening to actual creatures
0: do either of you watch john mulaney comedy Mm. specials on netflix no once in a while John Mulaney has a very famous bit where he's um, playing this police officer who used to come to his Chicago school and teach him, teach the students about like being mugged and being thrown in a trunk and like what to do. JJ um, Bittenbinder was his name. And Mulaney has this whole bit where he, he does the Bittenbinder, like put your money in a money clip so you can throw it to the person who's mugging you and goes after the money and doesn't shoot you. And if you're stuck in the trunk of a car, then like punch out the back lights and wave to the car behind. This is that.
2: Yeah. Except if what the officer was doing in the classroom was...
0: Putting somebody in a trunk.
2: <laughs> ...was taking one of your fellow students and mugging them.
0: Um, you say that because that's not actually what happens in this chapter. Um, this is not a spoiler because you're going to read this and I'm not going to spoil anything about what happens, but he does actually perform perform the Imperious Curse on students. Yeah. Oh, good. Great.
1: So. Um, powerful wizard, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Most important lesson in this uh, in this lesson: constant vigilance. Constant vigilance. Be paranoid, and you'll be fine. Oh, guy.
0: Let's actually talk about how this lesson is taught because I have some thoughts. So he asks, "Do any of you know which curses are most heavily punished by wizarding law?" And Ron actually raises his hand, and it's called the Imperious Curse, and which is mind control. Yeah. Which is mind control. Complete and total mind control. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which you see throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. And he performs it on spiders. Yeah, he has what must be relatively big
2: common spiders. Yeah. That the entire classroom can see. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. This is worse in the movie for different reasons. So if you don't like spiders skip this scene when you're watching the movies.
1: I mean, we all watched <laughs> the second movie, so I think we'll That's be okay. <laughs>
0: <true>. <laughs> if you've seen the second movie, the scene in the fourth movie should be fine. Yeah. But <laughs> it is it is very specific. The yeah. way that the tone shifts when so the yeah. he has the spider do all these backflips and and trapeze basically and everyone's laughing. And he says, thinks it's funny. Do you? You like it? If Would you if I did it to you? The exact same line. It is almost word for word in the film. It is directed beautifully, the way yeah, everyone scene sort is, of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I could imagine the scene being like really translating really well to film.
0: Mm-hmm. Poor Ron. Just shout yeah. out to Ron here, who is terrified of spiders. Because yeah. let me remind you. Fred turned his teddy bear into a spider when Ron was three. And then he had the whole traumatic experience of book two. And <laughs> also book two. <laughs>
2: yeah. And they, and they got in early so that
0: they could take front row seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the classroom.
1: Ron, I have regrets.
0: <laughs> the Imperious Curse can be fought and I'll be teaching you how, mm-hmm. but it takes real strength of character. So mm-hmm. yes, he does cast it on his
1: students. Cool. Um, um,
2: Neville, 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 who assumedly has some sort of curse related trauma mm-hmm. that we will learn
1: later. Well. Yeah, yeah. So he suggests or he talks about the Cruciatus curse, which is the torture curse.
0: Yeah, yeah, he it's it's uh, he has to make the spider bigger. <laughs> abandoning all pretense ron pushed his chair backwards as far away from moody's desk as possible
1: i'm not going to read the description
0: of yeah. what happens to the spider. the spider
1: you know let's just torture animals in front of children normal yeah. normal part of teaching but it's actually what stops moody from doing this
0: is not himself like he did with the imperious he stops um hermione shouts and it turns out she's not looking at the spider at all she's looking at Neville. Yeah. And Neville is basically having a panic attack in the middle of class. Yeah.
2: Neville. Understandable. With or without trauma. Yeah. But especially with.
1: Yeah. Poor baby. And then Hermione raises her hand. And then Mm -hmm.
2: the worst one of all.
1: Abracadabra. You know. (laughs) (laughs) The killing curse.
2: Um, how in the films? How much do they change the pronunciation to make it sound? It's, not It's like
1: Avada Kedavra. Yeah, so not very much. No,
0: I mean they say it with a they say Avada Kedavra. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. with
1: an accent, but
0: yes, they are not from the Midwest or <laughs> Southern Canada where they have a long flat A. <laughs> Avada Kedavra. <laughs> <laughs>
2: please give us cowboy school
0: Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> sorry that one caught me off guard
1: <laughs> this is not a uh, funny topic but
2: also <laughs> no. no I just need, I need a Harry
1: Potter she, set did, in the she did decide South to make West. the absolute worst unforg- unforgivable curse like sound the exact same as abracadabra so
0: how would you say this in an American Southern accent? I just did. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, basically, right? Be...
1: <clears throat> okay. Ooh. Ooh.
0: Um,
1: so he murders a spider. Mm-hmm.
0: He murders a spider.
1: And then it's Harry's turn to have a trauma response.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I want um, to... We know the trauma talk. response That's is not in. from the
2: casting of the spell. It's from Moody calling him out as... Being the only it's person
1: a little bit do.
0: like the, it's a little yeah. bit from the spider. Because this is the first, like, <clears throat> yeah. he
1: knows immediately that that is the spell that was used to kill his parents because he, know, he has seen the green light before.
0: Yes. And the thing is, he didn't know the name of the spell. It was Hermione who raised her hand. And that's an interesting, this is the first time he's ever heard what the spell is called. Yeah.
2: Interestingly, most of the spells are Latin, Latinish. Where the name of the spell is like a noun, and then mm-hmm. the word you use to cast yeah. it is similar. The imperative the version, yeah. This one is the same mm-hmm. for both the name and the casting,
1: mm-hmm. which is. Interesting.
0: It's often called the killing curse. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It is more often called the killing curse than it is called by its name. But yeah,
0: Harry has a real memory moment here. He has a, he completely disassociates, and he suddenly understands he like goes through the trauma of memory that he did through the entire third book every time he encountered a dementor and he saw the entire mm-hmm. sequence of his yeah. parents death right he he remembers all of that and puts all of the things together while disassociating in the middle of class yep so yeah. it's interesting
2: that he has such a clear and well-formed memory
1: yeah, he saw it... It's because of the Dementors. It's because of the Dementors, and because yeah. he... I don't think that... I think that he thinks about this more often than we see him think about this.
2: Sure, but then yeah. it, at that point, it would be like a constructed memory, mm. right? Like, he yeah. was an infant.
1: It's But the Dementors are the reason why he has, like, a clear memory, though.
2: Which is interesting, that Dementors can, like... G- give you your traumatic memories.
1: Yeah. <sighs> There's
0: reasons... I'm making a face at the computer. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else about the class?
0: Yes, this is true of all of the curses. Moody is saying this about Avada Kedavra, but says this is is this is true of all three unforgivable curses. They're something that needs powerful magic behind them. So he says, you could all get your wands out now and point them at me and say the words, and I doubt I'd get so much as a nosebleed. Yeah. And he says, I'm not here to teach you how to do it. I'm here to teach you to know what this is, which I think is the important good teaching part of the class here. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Like there's more to spellcasting than just holding your wand and saying the words, which
0: we've seen before in other classes. Yeah. And I think that that's actually something about magical theory that we've never never been stated before Mm -hmm. right like theoretically with potions you could put everything correctly into the pot and it will come out as a potion but if you don't mean it yeah
2: we've seen that with um transfiguration i think where just holding your wand and saying the name of the spell didn't always produce results and also the Mm
1: -hmm. i think the clearest one so far is also with expected patronum yes it, it the yeah. emotion behind yeah. it is part of the magic and with uh, ridiculous yeah
2: like, yes yeah. so they leave class and here
1: we have a, like a little we should talk a little bit about the various reactions to class i really like yeah. yeah. the line well it's a, um it's an important line where harry's where it says um, they were all talking about the lesson harry thought as if it had been some sort of spectacular show which mm-hmm. is very much uh like human beings are attracted to crisis and
2: yeah like i mean if tragedy. you don't have if you don't have like trauma related to death mm-hmm. and curses which several people in the classroom do but not all of mm-hmm. them i mean there's a reason that um shoot-em-up video games were super popular. Or, like, the spectacle of violent movies or TV shows Mm -hmm. is popular.
0: The second half of that line that you just read, he hadn't found it very entertaining, nor had it, nor it seemed had Hermione. Yeah. You'll notice that Ron found it very entertaining.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Ron has been sheltered his entire life and has had no experience of those things or anything like them.
0: It is sort of surprising that Harry and Neville... And Hermione, really, are the only ones who have this response, given the yeah. ages of these children and the ages of their parents
1: regarding the first war with Voldemort. Hermione doesn't really have this response. She's She is responding to Harry and Neville's response. Yes. But... Mm-hmm.
2: She's not happy, though. No, I think she probably has a combination of, like, empathy for her friends and also empathy for animals.
1: Yeah. I think it's just that, uh, like, Harry and Neville are two more important characters, and those are the ones we need to see their responses. Like, we don't even know which other, uh, which other house they have this class with, if they mm-hmm. have it with another house. And so the other Gryffindors, uh, the other Gryffindor fourth years, like it, it's easily there's not that many of them. They could easily all be like rotten in that they don't have yeah anything like that in their past. But
2: it is interesting what Zoe brought up though about like this generation. Yes. Because the the war or whatever with Voldemort was like a dozen years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Like fourteen.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the the year or so before, you know, Harry's first year of life. Mm-hmm. Like there should be way more like generational trauma regarding war in this series.
1: I can't remember if we talked about this in uh, this podcast or if this is from the Gailey Prophet that I'm thinking about, but when we're talking about the, like, the so- the size of the different uh, years of Hog- in Hogwarts and how, like, it seems like we talked Harry's about year the- is really uh, small and it makes sense because, like, not a lot of people are going to be having babies in the middle of a, like, horrible war. Afterwards, yes, which is why Ginny's class is bigger. Um, yeah. But- but I'm
2: just thinking about like how long the effects, like the the psychological effects of war, mm-hmm. also the economic and like social effects, last, and like if this was ten years after Vietnam or ten years after World War Two,
0: there's something to be said for Adela. You mentioned that Ron is very sheltered. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's worth mentioning again, because we talked about Molly's family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Molly's that Molly's brothers. Yeah, I don't think that Molly talks about her brothers with her kids.
0: Which is, but Molly's brothers were tortured yeah. to death by Voldemort, probably yeah. using the Cruciatus Curse in a kedavra mm-hmm. Yeah. But the one he raises his hand and talks about is the Imperius Curse, because he talks to his dad. Yeah. Who also has trauma
2: regarding the.
0: Oh, God, yeah. And we talked war. about that last time with mm-hmm. the Dark Mark, like E said. But it is interesting that, like, so Dean is a muggle born, but Seamus isn't. Mm-hmm. Does Seamus not have any connection Seamus to just any of these? has his
1: mum. Like, we don't know anything if, if Seamus has any extended family. His mum is the only character we know about because his dad left, yeah. who was a muggle.
0: Also, like, Lavender's family, like there's just mm-hmm. yeah, there's just there should be way more knock on effects. There there should be more knock on effects, and it's it, it's Adela. You're right. Like these are the named characters. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that I mean yeah, there could be like single sentences showing other characters reacting, but I think that having all of them or more of them have reactions on mm, on, on page would make would take away from the impact of Harry and Neville's.
0: You're right, that we're focusing yeah. on. So, That's totally right.
1: Like they could have had reactions, but I think that the reason why Harry and Neville's reactions are as strong as they are is specifically their specific trauma is maybe more than other people's.
2: Yeah, it is interesting that like the author has chosen to pick out certain characters' traumas to focus on and then sort of write the rest as if they don't have any whereas like everyone over the age of like 20
0: Mm-hmm.
2: in this society should be like deeply affected
0: mm-hmm.
2: in some way or another by the war and you
1: don't really see that yeah and then Neville well speaking of
0: reactions
1: <laughs> yeah Neville after the class
0: Hermione's like rushing them down the hallway and Ron's joking about her running to the library and she says no Neville 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 was standing alone halfway up the passage, staring at the stone wall opposite him with the same horrified, wide-eyed look he had worn when Moody had demonstrated the Cruciatus curse. Still
2: probably mid-panic
0: attack. Oh, yeah. Neville, Hermione said gently. Neville looked around. Oh, hello, he said, his voice much higher than usual. Interesting lesson, wasn't it? I wonder what's for dinner. I'm, I'm starving, aren't you? neville are you all right said hermione oh yes i'm fine neville gabbled in the same unnaturally high voice very interesting dinner i mean listen what's for eating
1: that's a relatable yeah poor baby yeah moody is surprisingly good at caring for students mental health Unlike any other adult in these (laughs) books, uh, once he realizes that they're not okay, which he didn't realize in the moment, but now he has and he's making up for his mistakes. So that's good.
2: Ranking of teachers who know how to interact with children. Mm -hmm. One. Adela.
1: Yeah, I know. I know Zoe. I
2: know.
0: Okay. Don't worry. McGonagall McGonagall knows how to comfort students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moody also asks how Harry is. Mm -hmm. He says, You're all right, are you, Potter? Yes, said Harry almost
1: defiantly. Um, Different ways of coping with trauma. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Deny, 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 it's Harry's. That's right.
0: Just tuck Um, it all in.
1: Also relatable.
0: Yeah, and then Ron fucks up. (laughs) Fred and George were right, weren't they? He really knows his stuff. When he did Avada Kedavra, the way the spider just died, just snuffed it, Ron Fudd suddenly fell silent at the look of Harry on Harry's face and didn't speak again until they reached the great hall.
1: He's a little oblivious. Uh, interesting that Ron's response when they're talking about like why is like how how are they allowed to do this in class and Ron's just like well Dumbledore's always done things his own way and and Moody is always getting in trouble so like obviously it's fine. It's fine because yeah. <laughs> this is the reason why it's fine Ron.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Double Door just does whatever he wants.
0: Um, To wrap up the trauma conversation, uh, Harry runs upstairs to grab his divination stuff so that they can do their divination homework. And Neville is there. And he looked calmer, although not quite normal. His eyes are red. And Harry checks in on him and says, are you all right? And Neville says that he's fine. He's reading a book that Professor Moody lent him, and it's called Magical Water Plants of the Mediterranean, and says, apparently, Professor Sprout told Professor Moody, I'm really good at herbology. There was a faint note of pride in his voice that Harry had rarely heard before. He thought I'd like this. Telling Neville that what Professor Sprout had said, Harry thought, had been a very tactful way of cheering Neville up, for Neville very rarely heard that he was
1: good at anything.
0: It was the sort of thing that Professor Lupin would have done.
1: Look at Harry noticing good teaching methods. I, I wonder know. if Harry should maybe become a professor one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. He's so good. Yeah. Also, the babies, they care for one another. They do. Yeah. This is like,
1: remember in book one, when Harry gives Neville chocolate out of his a pocket? Chocolate. Yeah. Pocket, pocket chocolate. chocolate. This is so, aww i didn't I didn't think yeah. about that parallel to this until now. It's really messed up that
2: that that this s- series is about students who are at a school that is traumatic enough that, like them like <laughs> saying nice things to each other is something we have to gush about. <laughs> but here we are, you know,
0: I just we we protect Neville in is. this house we do in um
1: this in this house, and so does Harry.
0: And so does Harry. Harry
1: is in the and so is, is Hermione. You know, on team for so Neville. And so is Ron, in his own way, at some points.
0: <laughs> when we get to the end of the series, we're going to have a long conversation about Neville.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm excited. Also, in the fan fiction, fan fiction writers out there who have the time and ability and amazing brains, why is there not more fan fiction
1: of Harry and Neville being best friends when they're older? Yeah. Yeah,
0: there should
1: Why. Be. also makes sense if Harry was a teacher because Neville, we know, does become a teacher. Yes. So, you yes. Know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs>
0: um, back to comedy. Nice little whiplash. It's time to make up stuff for your divination homework. <laughs> this scene is so cute. Like it's great. Oh, uh,
1: there's an someone. Someone did an animation of this scene. I I wonder if I can find it. I think it was this. I don't know if it was this scene or if it's the one in uh, book five where they are doing a very similar thing with their divination homework. I guess if someone had to
2: make an animation, it's not in the movie.
1: It's not in the movie, no. The movie
0: sort of skims over a lot of the divination stuff because it's mostly this. Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) out. Yeah, so they have to, like, make up their star charts. It's very fun. Uh, Just a note while Adela's looking for that. uh, Harry saw Fred and George sitting together against the opposite wall and doing something sort of... Unstereotypical of them, they're working get together quietly um, and suspiciously. Yeah. So keep that in your brain, E. They are scheming.
2: I assume, based on the snippets we've seen of Fred and George thus far, that they are doing something related to the tournament and trying to get themselves in it.
0: That's a very good guess.
2: There's a sentence that Harry overhears.
1: I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. what it is. Uh,
0: no, that sounds like we're accusing him. Got to be careful.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: E yes, you have the word Hermione followed by four periods and three commas. <laughs> yeah, and Adela, you have the word spew with a period afterwards. <laughs> Very Zoe has also has the word spew in all caps. Yes, I just have the word "spew" in all caps, which is really just a note to remind me that it exists. I mean, we 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 went over
2: all of this last time
0: with yeah talking about this is the start of the missionary style Hermione's uh, activism
2: and why it is so messed up in so many different ways, both in and out of text. Should we go over this scene? Just to note that
0: it is played for comedy again. It is. It is. This whole chapter, Hermione is played for comedy. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a sentence I need to read out loud. Hermione, open your ears," said Ron, loudy, loudly. They
1: like it. They like being enslaved. Ron, listen to yourself. Listen to the words that just came out of your I mouth. Mean, I understand.
2: In the in the context of the fiction, he's correct. I
1: understand that he is a he's a product of his upbringing and of Wizarding Society's views of house elves. But yeah. Just you can't can't say the word "enslaved" and think that it's okay, even if they do, even if it's it's true what he's saying. Like it doesn't make it okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just like throughout this chapter, Hermione is like eating her meals as fast as she can so that she can spend time in the library working on this. Ron makes multiple jokes about how apparently eating fast is now part of her activism. Obviously, it is an entire comical joke to ron that she is devoting any time to this
0: harry doesn't really react never really reacts to this throughout it's mostly ron
1: yeah harry is very apathetic about this in like all always he just kind of lets ron go off about it and doesn't really support either of them He's like not
0: on I side. love Adela's comment here. It says, Ron, listen to yourself. And then open parentheses, Ron and all of Wizarding Society, close parentheses. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, Harry wasn't, Harry wasn't raised in the wizarding world and was raised as someone who was subjugated and abused. Yeah.
2: While also being, I mean, as according to the author's view, white. Right. And in a middle class household, but abused within that household. There's a lot of, yeah.
0: Also, he has the one, he's the one with experience with Dobby. The others never really met Dobby.
1: Dobby is Harry's first experience with a house elf. So that is his base for knowing what house elves are like. And Dobby is the exception to the rule. So
0: it's, it's just interesting to think about because you would think that Harry would be more on Hermione's side because of Dobby.
1: Frustrating. It's frustrating to me
2: you would also think that the narrative would be more on Hermione's side yeah. because of Dobby. And yet the narrative is entirely with Ron on like, this is comical and useless. We haven't even seen like a quote unquote normal house elf besides like a tiny bit of Winky, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yet, Well, don't worry. That <laughs> will change. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't wait. Actually, the house elves are common in fic. Some good and some bad, some very complicated. I think I've mentioned the one with like a full, like magical theory rewrite. I've mentioned a couple of times, the house elves feature very prominently in that one. Um, But there's one that I reread the other day um, where Draco and Harry are both teachers at Hogwarts and get into a little petty fight, which ends up with Harry being like full body bind paralyzed for Mm -hmm. a few months. And Draco has to take over all of his duties sort of as punishment because it is his fault, including planning all the meals with the house elves. Wild. So there's some really interesting fan stuff. Yeah. Um, The one that I linked to last time, the last fic that I linked to, Creature, uh, is a house elf. It doesn't really matter. The point is there's a house elf that features fairly heavily in that one. Um, As an employee, as a paid employee, Mm. Who only gets pay for certain things and so insists on being like the house health that does all the things. It's it's like a an interesting split.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking it's gotta take a really I mean, and obviously many fanfic authors are very good at this. Yeah. But it it really would have to take a complete like reimagining of how this all works to even make sense of Like, how would you do good and empowering activism in this world that J.K.R. has created if House Elves legitimately act and believe this way? Yeah,
0: Yeah. there's a lot of fic that touch on a few House Elves here and there who are named throughout the series um, and sort of focus on them. And then there's a few fics that do like complete magical rewrites that sort of basically massive fix-it-fics.
1: I, yeah, I was like I feel like you'd have to rewrite the entirety of how house elves are written to make it possible to
0: yeah do that yeah. correctly. The last thing in here in this chapter is a nice little
2: sentence about Neville.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say Sirius. Oh
1: yeah, the Sirius. Oh Sirius. Uh, yeah.
0: and, then,
1: and then the end. Harry finally gets a letter back from Sirius from when he sent a letter in the summer,
2: which would have been like um two months ago at this point.
1: Yeah,
0: um, we didn't get his Sirius's signature in the last letter. Um, So we'll post an image of the typeface chosen for Sirius's signature, which is shown in this letter. Um, But basically Sirius says that he's flying north and he's going to come out of hiding and Harry is
1: fucking pissed. Yeah. He's like, why did
2: I do that? And he snaps at Hedwig. Yeah. It's not her fault. It's not
1: Hedwig's fault. And he's also blaming himself and it's not his fault for Sirius to make those choices. Mm. Sirius is a grown man who can make his own choices.
0: Yeah. Harry has a habit of doing this, but he says, um, if Sirius came back and got caught, it would be his, Harry's fault. Mm -hmm. Why hadn't he kept his mouth shut? A few seconds pain and he had to blab. If he just had the sense to keep it to himself. Like,
1: my boy. We talked about last episode about how Harry doesn't tell his friends or the people close to him about his pain because he doesn't want them to be in danger. And this is an example of him being like, this is why I don't tell my friends about my pain. Yeah. Gosh.
0: And then the chapter ends. E, would you like to read the final sentence? Yeah, let me open it up here. So
2: Harry's going to bed. The dormitory was completely silent, and had he been less preoccupied, Harry would have realized that the absence of Neville's usual snores meant that he was not the only one lying awake.
0: Oh, Neville. (laughs) Buddy! I think that... So I put in my notes, the final sentence of chapter 14 kills me every time. But I think that this one actually, it always hit me really hard every time. Yeah. But I think that this reread in particular, because we're reading in such small chunks compared to what I usually do, which mm-hmm. I think Adela is familiar with, which is sit down and read the entire book all at
1: once. Yeah, and just like um, skimming a, a lot mm-hmm. of things that you're familiar with, so you don't notice them as much.
0: But, like, really focusing in on Neville this chapter and Harry this chapter, that final sentence of chapter 14, and, like, thinking ahead to the rest of the series, it really hits. Mm
1: -hmm. Our boys. Protect them. It's a sad one, this Mm -hmm. one.
0: It's a sad one, this one. We had some mad ones, and now we have a sad one.
1: Hey, you know what? I would rather be sad.
2: (laughs) I would rather be sad about a (laughs) well-written emotional arc than angry at
1: poor writing. And poor choices.
2: Bad and bigoted choices. Mm -hmm.
0: And we get to be both in these chapters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as ever, like,
2: I want to keep reiterating because we keep nagging on so much, but this is enjoyable reading. Like, this is a good...
1: These are the chapters that made me, like, be like, oh, yeah, like, book four should be high on my list, high on my ranking. I really like book four a lot.
2: Yeah, like, this book has been genuinely enjoyable and nice to read uh, in a way that, like, book two was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, have we said everything we wanted to say? I, I, I think, yeah, I think we've gone long. <laughs> we have there's gone long. Lot. There's um, just a lot. There's a
0: lot in these chapters, and there will continue to be lots in future chapters. Um, the next chapters we're going to be reading are... Chapters 15 through 17, Bobatton and Durmstrang, the Goblet of Fire, and the Four Champions.
1: Excellent. Excuse me, I
0: think you mean Durmstrong. Durmstrong And Beaubaton.
1: I've been Adela. You can find me on Twitter at aradel A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore.
0: I've been Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z, and by my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen F- fa- The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans. Wherever books
1: are sold.
2: And I am E. You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E.
1: You can find the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Potternaught. And you can find more music by our wonderful composer, Morgan Jackson, at We Did The Time Warp Again.
0: We will put the images that we talked about today in the tweets for the episode. Um, and if you are from Southern America and have a thick Southern accent, Please tweet at us. saying about a cadabra. Um,
1: also, <laughs> let us know if you want to join uh, the Neville Protection Squad, please.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. When we eventually get a Patreon, I'm sure we will have buttons. <laughs>